I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Down the block, Andrew Johnson. Inside for Elba. Elba will score. Elba will score. Newcastle has won the grand final. He's got the ball. Jared Welcome to the Rugby League Guru Podcast. Today we've got on former Kangaroos front rower, Brett White. Brett talks about his time under Bellamy at the Storm, the 2010 salary cap scandal, his infamous origin dust-up with Queensland legend Steve Price, his new role as assistant coach of the Raiders, and finally, what the Raiders as a club have learned about themselves from the heartbreak of the 2019 Grand Final. He focused heavily on how the Raiders are making no excuses to win premierships, you have to overcome obstacles. And Brett and Ricky Stewart have certainly addressed that. Let's kick it off. And I would say, someone's come across and give it to him, Brett White. And said, get your hands off me halfback. Ross will get up and right oh, goes bang. There he gets it. Gets him again. Welcome on, Brett. How are you, mate? Hey, very well, thank you. How's everything going down there in the nation's capital? Uh, it's going well. It's been a uh, bit of a uh, disrupted pre-season, this one. Uh, a few few things going on down here, but we're uh, pushing on through, and um, you know, we're, we're getting into that period now where it's just, let's get out and play some footy. So the boys are um, uh, they're chomping in the bit for the season to uh, get underway. Runs desperate some footy, aren't they? Let's jump into your career first. Um, where did your junior footy career start? Mate, I, um, I didn't really have any big glamorous um, you know, story to go along with my career. It uh, sort of just, just happened. I, um, you know, I grew up in the Snowy Mountains in New South Wales and um, you know, just played, played footy for the fun of it uh, with mates and whatnot and when I was 16, I actually moved to Sydney to start an apprenticeship as a farmer. Um, as a young 16-year-old in Sydney, not re- not knowing anyone, you know, the best way to get to know people is playing footy. So I just started playing at the local club up there, Hurstville United, um, and you know, got the opportunity to go and train with um, the SG ball side at St George and um, just sort of come through the grades there really as a... Um, 
as a uh, you know just a stock standard sort of junior reps player um, come through there and um, yeah went on to to have a great career. So when you're at the Dragons, obviously at that time you were behind a group of pretty handy front rowers, weren't you? Yeah, I was actually. Um, so I played. I had two years in SG ball, um, two years in Jersey flag, um, and then two years in in what was called first division, the reserve grade there. And um, you know, being there, I was I was a young front rower behind the likes of um, Jason Rolls and Luke Bailey, who were both playing international football at the time. Brent Kite was there, um, also playing rep footy. Um, there was a, a lot of uh, good front rowers in, in front of me at the time, so it was good in a way where I got to, um, you know, I got to learn and, and train under those guys and, and, and you know, improve my game, you know, off the back of you know, watching them and training with them. But uh, it also blocked the pathway um, to go through to first grade as well. So then you made your move down to Melbourne, which you know. Now, when people hear of people moving to Melbourne, it's a real glamorous move. But in 2005, that was really before the Melbourne juggernaut had started. Could you feel something special was about to happen there? Uh, not at all. It was, um, mate, it was more, more so that um, I'd actually had a, a couple of injuries um, at St. George in reserve grade. And, you know, like I said, behind the, the likes of some international front rowers. So um, it was more an opportunity, I guess. You know, I still remember the day... Uh, Craig Bellamy rung me up and clearly remember his words as being, uh, you know, if you come down here and you, you work hard, uh, there's an opportunity for you. And, you know, like I said, I wasn't wasn't any um, standout junior player or anything, but what I could do was, um, you know, I was willing to work hard, I was willing to train hard, um, and I, I knew I could back myself. And, you know, if someone, you know, someone offers you that opportunity and you know you can back it up with your, your work ethic that... Uh, yeah, you know, I knew it was going to be a good move going down there. Yeah, you know, so I packed everything up and, and headed to Melbourne and loved every minute of, of being in Melbourne at the club. And, you know, over the years, watching it grow and getting to play alongside some of the players I, I did down there, it was, um, you know, it was fantastic. It was a great opportunity and uh, you know, it really changed my life, not only as a, as a, a footballer, but as a person as well. Um, you know, being down there you know, under Craig and alongside some of the guys down there, some of the, you know, when I first got down there, the, the mentors I had as, as players down there, you know, your Robbie Kearns and Matt Guyers and these sort of guys that are, are wonderful people um, and really taught me a lot about um, life as a, as a, as a person um, and a, as a first grade footballer as well. Tell me about, you talk about some of the players you played with. Tell me about playing with the big three. Mate, I, um, you, know, you talk about it. They're known as the, the big three down there, but you know, there was there was one time um, you know, down there where you know, I'd, I'd take a hit up and uh, you know, I'd get up and I'd play the ball and Cameron Smith would pick it up and he'd pass it to Cooper Cronk and Cooper Cronk would go to Greg Inglis and then you know, Billy Slater would get the ball off him and pass it to like, an Israel Palau was there. When there was... It wasn't just the big three. There was some, you know, some big names or some names that went on to be big names, um, you know, in those early days there. So, you know, you put in, you know, alongside, you know, your Michael Crockers and um, guys like that. So it was, uh, it was certainly, um, you know, some special times there early on as, as those guys were, were sort of, all, I guess, starting out to come on the scene at the same time. Um, you know, it was uh, pretty amazing to be alongside those guys and. 
really the best thing about them. You know, they're, they're wonderful players and they've had great careers and they're you know, superstars. You know, talk the big three down there. They're, they're like I said, what the club was built on down there is, is being really good people. You know, I enjoyed the time and enjoy those catching up with those guys. Uh, when I do get the chance to. From 2006 to 2009, you're playing four grand finals and you win two premierships. Tell me about that wild ride. Yeah, it was, oh, mate, it was fantastic. It was just, you know, a, a really special time. Obviously, it's, you know, you look back now and there's a lot of people, you know, with the controversy that's, that has happened um, now to look back on that as, as a bit, um, uh, tarnishes it a, a bit. But as a player, um, playing through those times, it was... Uh, you know, some pretty special times. You know, we've done a lot of um, lot of hard work down there to make it all happen. Um, you know, some of those pre-seasons, the, the uh, famous Melbourne pre-seasons and the, the uh, famous camps down there, are, you know, they're, um, they're a whole new story in themselves. It's uh, mind-blowing what, what, you can, um, what you can put your body through. Um, you know, um, and I certainly found that out once I got down there and throughout that time down there. I suppose once 2010 came around, you know, that would have turned your life on its head and the club's identity on its head. Run me through the day as a club you first found out about the salary cap scandal. Um, it was um, it, it was a tough day. It was, uh, we come out to train and um, we're out on the field and training and uh, Craig wasn't out on the field um, and the coaches were quite, Standoffish uh, training, done our warm up, and uh, everyone just thought it was one of one of Craig's latest things. You know that the, pretty much the coaches don't coach the session and stand back and, and watch what the players do and see if the players drive the session. So we sort of had this feeling that you know Craig would be there somewhere watching watching over the session, and um, it was a bit yeah, you know, what's going on here? And then it wasn't long into the session that. Um, Frank Benici, the football manager, come out and called everyone in. Um, there was a few reporters starting to gather on the edge of the, the field and, and he'd asked that no one talked to anyone on the way through, that we go straight in, um, straight into the team meeting room. So it was quite you know, quite different to anything we're used to, you know, a bit out of the ordinary. Went straight into the, the meeting room, um, sat in there and uh, when uh, when Craig walked in, something something wasn't right straight away. The, the look on his face, and um, you know, my my first thoughts is that yeah, you know, someone had passed away, or we'd lost someone, or um, and then you know, he pretty uh, bluntly come out and, and told us what the situation was, and that was the first idea we'd had, or inkling, or you know, anything of it um, was. Straight away being told that you know, everything you've earned, everything you've worked for um, over the last couple of years is, is gone. It's taken away. There wasn't a question about it. It was pretty much just like that. Um, tough. It, it, it was you know tough to take. Uh, you know the first reactions, the, the different emotions, um, you know, the, the anger, the um, sadness. The, everyone handled it. Differently, um, it was yeah, and then there was a, a period of a couple of hours of uh, what do we do, like where do we go, what do we do? Um, yeah, you, you could the, you could feel that you could hear the media um, starting to turn up outside the training facility, um, and then 
probably went through the the following couple of weeks of um, you know, probably the hardest time of, of a lot of our careers. Um, you know, going through that period. Um, you know, the, the accusations and the and the what everything that went with it. Um, not knowing what was going to happen. Were we, we as a club going to play? Were we going to this? Were we what was what was going to happen? Um, you know, there were so many emotions, and every day was different. Um, Funny thing is, you know, no one really wanted to be at home on their own. They, they, you know, we all all wanted to be together um, through that time, you know, right through to you know the, the famous walk across the field, which was um, you know, the thing about that that you know, is going to go and confront the uh, the media, and um, you know the whole idea was that we weren't going to let him go alone. We weren't going to let him face the the rest of the, the world on his own that we were you know, we were together and we are going to do it as one. To me, um, that that moment there really sums up the Melbourne Storm. Yeah, mate, uh, that, that was it. It was always about togetherness. Um, we'd done everything together um, and that was it. it. Probably for me, you know, when you talk about summing up um, that club, it was, to me, it was a, the following, following couple of years. Um, 2012 was probably the, you know, when you talk about summing the club up, it was, you know, you see a lot of a lot of clubs, a lot of teams go through um, different things and it, um, you know, handle it okay, but it's, it's how they handle it afterwards. And, you know, I've got to give the, the, the Storm a lot of credit for the way they handled it following that. You know, I think um, 2011, they're really strong, but 2012 to win it back, to losing five or six, um, you know, starting players that, that had left, End of 2010, um, you know, that was a, a big dint into the club. Um, and then to go on and, you know, to, to win it back um, following that and going year on year, being consecutive um, performances, uh, really, to me, that, that sums it up. That, uh, you know, it probably takes a, a bit of a, the um, tarnish that was there from, um, you know, had happened sort of takes it away and, and almost uh, shows what the club was about. As happy as you would have been watching the 2012 grand final, was it hard for you to watch not being a part of it? Um, yeah, it, you know, hard leaving. It, um, it developed so much down there and, and um, you know, really, be, you know, I think players become ingrained in the, in the club there that um, it was tough. It was, it was, it was really tough, but so much uh, pride as well, pride in in the club of, of bouncing back and and not you know, not succumbing to the um, the defeat of it all. That they really um, they embraced it and and used it to to become better. So looking back on that, even though I wasn't there, I was, I was, I was super proud of, of what they did following the, um, the the salary cap scandal. In the midst of that incredibly successful four or five years. You made your origin debut in, in 2007. Run me through that experience. Yeah, it was, um, it was uh, a baptism of fire, actually. Uh, my debut was you know, early in um, 2007, one of the early games. Uh, we played the Broncos, who had beat us uh, in the 2006 grand final. And following um, that game, a reporter had actually asked me about Know, the difference between the grand final side and, and that, that um, the Broncos in 2007, um, you know, we'd, we'd just beat them, beat, beaten them 
started off quite convincingly and um, you know, asked me the difference in the, in the side. And I said, you know, well, I've just lost uh, quite a number of forwards. Shane Webb had retired. I think Brad Thorne had moved on. Uh, there was a couple, and I said, you know, obviously them losing those sort of guys have, um, you know, have I think I use the words, weakened their pack. Um, and that was turned into that uh, that I called the Queenslanders uh, soft. Uh, and so as the media are good at, they, they turn that into a, a story leading into origin that I was enemy number one calling Queensland Ford soft and uh, Petro had come out and retaliated to those comments and um, next minute it was um, a battle between myself and Petro. So uh, leading into Origin 1 in, in at Suncorp, uh, my debut, I was public enemy number one going up there. Um, I'd had a lot of you know, prank calls in my hotel room, uh, Origin Week, um, a lot of you know, a lot of sledging, um, you know, walking down the streets and things like that. So it was quite a quite a baptism of fire. My uh, I, I started. I think I had the one of the early carries in the first set and uh, knew they were after me straight away. Dallas Johnson cut me in half and uh, Tony Carroll come over the top. Forearm, forearm straight uh, straight across the nose and still remember laying there after that tackle thinking, wow, this is origin. Where am I going to hide for the next 80 minutes? <laughs> it, it was uh, it was the hardest tackle I'd ever been hit in my whole career. It's the one that stands out. Um, I think um, following the game, my nose was still bleeding you know, hours afterwards and it was it was across my face, but yeah, so that was uh, when you talk about origin debuts. That was certainly um, one hell of a debut, and like I said, a baptism of fire. Looking a- hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. A little bit further into your origin career, you know what I want to ask you about? Uh, probably the same question. I get asked most about my career, fight in uh, 09. Steve Price, tell me about it. Yeah, look, it was um, it was one of those things that yeah, you know, was it just sort of happened. Um, yeah, you know, we we had got into into that Origin camp, um, and it was it was a big theme of that that um, game is that bullied in the in the the two games beforehand, um, bullied and um, you know, stood over the top of. And uh, Craig Bellamy was a coach at the time and, and said that you know, we're going to stand up for ourselves here and we're not going to. We're not going to take these grubby tactics, and we're going to stand up to them. You know, if they want to use any grubby tactics, so it was well and truly ingrained in us all week. So when um, you know when we got to that part of the game, where you know I felt a, a bit of a, a push in the head and a, a knee, it was just like time had slowed down, and it was you know those words that you know stand up to these things in my ears, and um, you know, and the rest is history. It uh, just sort of happened. It, time sort of slowed down, and you know, it's certainly nothing against Steve. You know, Steve's been wonderful for our game. He's um, you know, done so many great things. Um, it was just probably luck 
luck fell my way, and um, yeah, I'm glad I wasn't on the other end. Um, you know, it could have gone either way, but uh, I did try and um, well, I did grab a six pack of beer after the game and try and head into their sheds. You know, to go and have a you know a bit of an old school sort of after punch up and go and have a beer and a laugh, but um, it wasn't wasn't overly well received, so I uh, it didn't end up happening. I've seen Pricey since then, and yeah, I had a chat to him, and there's certainly no hard feelings yeah, about it. It's just one of those things that happen on the field and stay on the field, and um, yeah, and it's been left at that. So, yeah, but it's funny. I you know, playing yeah, just short of 200 games, and uh, yeah, the only thing that I get remembered for is uh, a couple of fights that happen on the field. So it's uh, yeah, it's a funny thing. But like I said, I'd, I'd much rather yeah. You know, being on the the uh, side I ended up rather than the, being the one that got knocked out. For sure, and geez, it was a it was a strange five minutes that that followed after that fight, wasn't it? Yeah, it was it was um, surreal. It, it was you know that it all happened, and then there was yeah you know, there was plenty of uh, mouthing off going on straight after it, and then um, the you know, Darren Lockyer you know, saying they put the bomb up and everyone's getting down and getting them and. And it, uh, that happened, and really, yeah, it was a surreal moment when that ball went in there. This ball lands. What is going to happen? Like, you know, break out into an all-in brawl. Um, so we all got down there and got around each other, and it, it didn't erupt. Actually, it, it, it went to, and then um, it didn't. I think that was near the end of the game. Then, you know, walked off Suncorp, getting beer, beer thrown over us, and and yeah. Weren't, weren't weren't welcome. I don't think I could think of anything worse than being Kurt Gidley waiting to catch that bomb. What a crazy thing to you know you, you've got a whole team of a uh, whole Origin team running down after you, and uh, you got to try and catch a ball like yeah. You know, they say yeah, you know, you know, a front rower's job's pretty tough on the football field, but I I reckon being a fullback trying to catch a bomb when uh, thirteen blokes are charging after you is a uh, a pretty tough job. Tough gig, isn't it? Mate, after the 2010 salary cap saga, you moved to the Raiders. Tell me about that move. Yeah, um, said I, you know, I was well ingrained in, in, in Melbourne and um, you know, would have never left the club if I didn't have to. But um, you know, I knew I, I had to leave. Um, and the opportunity come come up to come to Canberra and um, being uh, from just down the road here, it, it really suited. Um, I had a young family. And you know, the opportunity to move to Canberra and, and you know, have a bit of bit of land just outside of town, little farm, bit of a country lifestyle for my kids was really attractive. Uh, so that sort of lifestyle for me was, was was there on offer, and to come closer to home and it all sort of fell into place. You know, when I got here, it wasn't it was a it was definitely a culture shock um, in, in footy terms. Um, you know. It, it wasn't great when I got here. Um, it's, it's taken a long road to get where we are, you know, today to, to this year, where you know we've got strong leaders and you know we're, we're in a good place. Um, so it's 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 been a long journey. I think it's you know nine years this year of being here at the club, and um, you know to watch it grow has been you know it's been great to come along this journey and and to see that development. You know, watch these young guys like. Uh, you know, Josh Papali and you know, Jack Whiten. You know, Jack's just re-signed a, a, a big deal down here. And um, you know, to see a young guy, when I first got here, he was you know, in the under-20s. So to watch that development 
you know, for him to develop right through into a leader of our club has been, uh, you know, been a really, really good journey to um, watch and, and learn and, and develop along with it. For sure. Tell me about your coaching role there at the moment. So I retired in 2014 and lucky enough, um, Ricky put me straight into a coaching staff, went straight into a coaching job. I you know, spent the first uh, 12 months doing a bit of um, the, the wrestle and a bit of um, uh, forwards work. Um, and then the next two years I had the under 20. So staff of some of the young guys coming through solely just in with under 20s. Um, and then 2018, I um, got promoted up as an assistant coach to the NRL side. First year, actually, I, I, I was on uh, looking after the attack um, alongside Ricky. Uh, which is a really, really great learning for me. Being a, you know, not many front rowers, um, you know, you, you would imagine doing the attack side of things. So it was a bit of a bit of a shock and a, a steep learning curve for me. Um, but it was really good to be you know, doing that alongside Ricky. He um, guided me through that, um, you know, looking after the attack. And then um, the last year went across to um, the defence, and we had you know, Andrew McFadden. Um, come in last year uh, and we both looked after attacks so normally you know your typical head coach with two assistant coaches and, and one assistant looks after attack one assistant looks after defence but um, last year you know with our need to improve our defence both assistants were on, on defence and uh, I looked after the, the, the middles forwards the, um, you know, especially around the, the contact um, wrestle side of things and Andrew, um, Andrew McFadden looked after the, the edges uh, and a bit of the strategy and tactics for defence. So a lot of work, you know, 80% of the team's work was defence-based. Um, so a lot of effort went into that. And, you know, and lucky enough, we, we, um, we had a real big improvement in our defence, which was um, fantastic to see you know, all that hard work pay off uh, for the players. Um, you know, a lot of effort went into that, so uh, we had a had a real improvement in it. Uh, so this preseason coming in, um, you know, we we want to make sure we maintain that, but we've also got to uh, you know, had a big focus on our our attack, um, getting that that back up to where it was. So more balance this year uh, between the two, uh, but you know, we we feel really strong that our uh, our foundations there, our defence that we we built last year. You know, still there. There's ways we can improve, and we've worked on that. But you know, really excited about the year ahead. You know, off the back of last year, and yeah, you, know, you can really feel uh, amongst the players about you know the disappointments of the grand final last year. That you know, we went so close, um, and we're in that fight the whole way, um, and just fell short. But I think having that it, um, it leaves a real hunger and. Um, not actually, I shouldn't say not only the players, but amongst the whole, um, the whole staff, the whole club. You feel it, uh, you know, the, the fans and members, um, you know, they're all after it now. Um, you feel that energy uh, about you know going that one one better. Uh, so the preseason, been around that improving, getting better, um, and hopefully, you know, it's a long season. We don't want to get ahead of ourselves. We still got, you know, we've got to get through the round uh, week in week out for the NRL, which is which is never easy in itself, but um, you know I think that the club's really well positioned. We've you know a couple of recruits here with you know the additions of um, George Williams coming in, 
um, you know, hopefully we can we can go that one better. Tell me, like, when I watched that grand final last year, I thought, you know, the Raiders were in the arm wrestle for 79 minutes and 20 seconds, and it was just a 40-second lapse. That one set, Roosters took advantage of. Have you guys looked at sort of like overcoming obstacles like the, what you faced when, when the referee's decision came through? That, that's, that's exactly what we've used to you know, fuel our pre-season. That, um, as much work as you, you can get to get better, um, you've got to be good under pressure and you've got to be good all the time. You can't, you can't have lapses. You can't, you know, even when things go against you, um, you've got to get on with your job. You've got to get your job done. You know, it, it doesn't matter, you know, six sets of defence in a row. You've still got to turn up. You've still got to get that tuck. You know, your, your role, you've got to get that done. Um, you know, the calls go against you. That doesn't matter. you just got to, you got to keep turning up. Um, that's what the good teams do. Um, and you know, having that happen to us on the big stage, it's a, it's a great learning. You know, not only for this year, but I really feel for the players for years to come that you know, hopefully that sits ingrained in them that you, you, you know, under pressure, um, you need to keep turning up and need to keep getting your role done. I think it's something for me that, that I found very special is that, you know, over the years we, we've seen Ricky Stewart show up to press conferences and, you know, anything that sort of went against you guys, refereeing, whatever, he would blow up. But you sort of, I saw a very different Ricky Stewart after that grand final. And I also, you know, I didn't hear any of your players mentioning anything about the refereeing, nothing at all. And then, you know, when I heard that Aitman stayed out on the field longer to watch the Roosters get their trophy so that he... But that feeling, it just feels like the culture that you guys have built is just massive there. It, it's, it's funny you say all that because, um, you know, it really is. It's a, it's a part of the, you know, what we try to ingrain uh, in the playing group is, is this thing, you know. When, um, and you're not always going to get things right when you do make mistakes and that. It's about owning it. It's about owning your mistakes or your errors or... Um, when things don't go right, it, it's it's really easy to to make blame or make excuses and that for the, the tough players and the and the uh, good players, good teams don't make excuses. They don't they don't let others dictate to them um, the results. Um, you know, we're all in charge of you know our own outcomes. That you know, don't use excuses. Just get on with it. Get the thing. Get your job done. I really hope. We ingrained in the group last year, and, and I, I really hope that sort of mentality is um, part of the club as a whole going forward now on the back of last year. Just before I let you go, mate, just one last question. Um, I just want to ask about one player, um, Johnny Bateman. We talk about guys coming to clubs and changing the culture of clubs, whether it be Sonny Bill at the Roosters or Ben Kennedy back at Manly. I feel like John Bateman's sort of been that sort of player for you guys. Tell me what he brings to the table. It's... Um, he, he's just another. He's just another level. Um, mate, when he first came over, didn't know a lot about him. Um, he was quite, you know, he was one of those guys that just come in and wanted to earn his stripes early on. Uh, didn't do a lot of talking. Just got on with his job. But as he sort of earned those stripes on the training field, he he started to talk more and have more influence on the group. Once we started playing, that really come into come into fruition. And um, mate, when he talks, everyone stops and listens, and everyone you know, takes on board what he has to say uh, because he he's 
he's one of those guys that he, he backs it up. He does it. He um, you know, he puts his body on the line. He competes. You know, he's he's um, when he does talk, it has so much so much influence on the group. So he's a he's a competitor. Um, he's a wonderful person too. You know, just one of those guys you you know you need in leading your team um, if you're going to be successful. Did yourself and Ricky Stewart know that he was going to be that sort of a player? No, um, no, I certainly didn't know he was going to be that sort of player. Um, like I said, I didn't know a great deal about him. Um, Ricky done more homework on him and probably got a bit of an understanding about his character before he came. But we knew you know, he'd been successful sides in the Super League. Um, he knew how to win. Um, he was a good person from all the all the character references we had on him. Um, so. Yeah, you, know, you probably have to ask Ricky about that. He, he would have had an inkling of what he was what he was bringing over, but um, I certainly I certainly didn't. I didn't know, know too much about him. But um, yeah, he's like I said, he's had so much so much of an impact on this this playing group, and was a big part of um, the turnaround last year into the we play, you know, and the, the culture of uh, the, the Raiders. Brett, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on. Um, I'd just like to congratulate you on everything, you know, yourself, Ricky Stewart, the rest of the staff have achieved down there. The way the clubs handled themselves over the last three months has been unbelievable. Not many clubs would have handled themselves as well. And dare I say, Canberra, 10 years ago, wouldn't have handled themselves that well. So well done to all of you down there. Um, Hope to hear from you again later in the year to catch up on how Canberra's travelling in 2020. Thanks for having me on and uh, and all the best going forward. Thank you, mate. I'll uh, talk to you soon. Thanks for joining in to our inaugural Rugby League Guru podcast. Coming up later in the week for all you Supercoach fans, we've got a Supercoach podcast, about half an hour or so, where we're going to take a deep dive on all the hookers in Supercoach this year and um, have a talk about who we see going high, who we think there's going to be value in drafts for, which which hookers we're going to be targeting. I'm joined by my good mate Natty from the Weekly Rubdown. If you haven't already followed their gear on Instagram and Twitter, Make sure you jump on and have a look at them. Um, some of the best in the business for Supercoach content. It's not so robotic. They're two blokes enjoying themselves, having a chat. It's a little bit more of an animated Supercoach podcast. Next week on the Rugby League Guru podcast, we've got another special guest coming on. We've got Crins Ninu, who, um, you know, New Zealand international, played in three grand finals, has gone over to England. He tells his story of uh, moving from New Zealand at a young age, growing up in the western suburbs of Sydney. He got to play in 2009 with Jared Haynes, so he was there for that roller coaster. And then three years later, he was also playing alongside Benny Barber when he won his Dallium in 2012. An amazing story that Crimson Inu's got to tell. I advise you to tune in for that one. Thanks for tuning in. Can't wait to catch up with you next week. Make sure you subscribe, like, and share all of our gear around to your mates. Keep playing smart footy. And we'll see you next week. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.